0: CHAPTER THREE HUNGER IN NAPLES When I was ten years old, my father died. He was a strong man, not tall, but thick-set and sturdy, and never in his 59 years had been ill, even for a day. Now, suddenly, he was suffering from appendicitis, and they took him to hospital in Naples for an operation. Everything should have been all right, but it wasn't. And one night, Don Luigi Belmonte, the pharmacist, whose shop was next door to Luigi Festa's, told me that my father had taken an infection after the operation and was seriously ill. I'd never been to Naples, I'd scarcely ever been out of Benito, but I had to see my father to find out if he was all right, so I borrowed the train fare, one lira fifteen cents, from the pharmacist and at sunset, when my day's work was finished, I set off to walk the twelve kilometres to the railway station at Abice, where I caught the first train to Benevento and then changed for Naples. I reached Naples at about six o'clock in the morning and went straight to the hospital. My father was looking terribly ill. But his first thought when I walked through the ward was concern for me. He said, surprised, Who's with you, Salvatore? When I told him I'd come all by myself, he said, worried, You must be careful, boy. It's a long way for a little boy to travel. Yes, father, I said, I have been careful. I just wanted to know how you are. I'm all right, he said. you go back home. They'll be worrying about you. He hesitated and added, look after your young sisters, Salvatore. If anything should happen to me, remember always to look after your mother and your sisters. If I should die. He stopped, because I'd begun to cry. And he said, no, Salvatore, it's all right. I'm just telling you this in case. There were tears in his eyes too. And a nurse, Noticing us both weeping, came over and told me I must go because the patient shouldn't be disturbed. My father said, yes, Salvatore, you go home now. I'll come back soon. Look after your sisters and look after your home and don't do anything bad. These were his last words to me. That night he died and life became harder still at home. Now my mother, who was seven years younger than my father, had to work both properties with only little Elio to help her when he wasn't at school and with two small girls to bring up. My brothers and sisters sent money from America, and I gave them my earnings from the shoemaking. Sometimes the signori brought their own leather, and I would make shoes without telling Luigi. The pharmacist's wife was the first person I made shoes for on my own. And I gave that money to my mother too. Meanwhile, some of the signori of Benito were beginning to take a deep interest in me. I was now making stylish shoes for all the leading people in the town and Luigi was doing none of the work. He'd never made shoes like these in his life. Luigi was well liked in the town but two men, Don Luigi Belmonte the pharmacist and Don Raffaele Inglese the teacher, began to urge me to leave Benito, young as I was, and go to Naples. Don Raffaele started it. He'd been a friend of my eldest brother Agostino And now he often came to Luigi Festa's shop and would stand and watch me making the shoes and tell me about my brother. Agostino was a prodigy, he would say. If he'd lived, he would never have allowed you to stay here and learn to be a shoemaker. You should go to Naples. I tried to tell him that I couldn't leave home just now with my father dead and my mother working so hard. She needed my money. He replied, you're doing far too much for Luigi Festa. You do all the work whilst he plays cards and drinks wine or sleeps in the sun or walks with his friends. Why don't you leave him and go to Naples and learn more about shoemaking? He's taught you all he knows and you're a born shoemaker. For you've learned even more than he's been able to teach you. Now it's time for you to go away and learn some more and capitalise on your ability. Don Luigi would tell me the same thing, brushing aside all my objections. One day it would be Don Raffaele, the next Don Luigi, talking to me, dinning it into my head that I should get out of Benito. I wasn't anxious to leave my home, but with two grown men continually telling me how I was wasting my time, and with the gradual realisation that it was true that I could learn little more with Luigi Festa in this small village, I began to think hard about it. The trouble was I had no money, and my mother not only had no money, but I knew she would not want me to leave home so young. So I kept putting it off and putting it off and the months went by and Luigi's business grew and I made more and more shoes. At last, when I was about 11 years old, I could stand it no longer. I went to my mother and told her what Don Luigi and Don Raffaele had been telling me and I said I was too anxious to go away and I needed to learn more things about shoemaking. I needed to know more about leathers and styles and modelling and many other things which I'd never learn in Benito if I stayed there all my life. Particularly, I wanted to learn more about them taking the measurements. She didn't want me to go, but at last I persuaded her. I told her, which was not true, that I'd saved up a little money from the sale of shoes privately to the Signore, and she gave me five lira, about one dollar, or four shillings, which was all that she could spare, and it was arranged that I would go to Naples. I arrived in Naples, a small, black-haired, tousled boy with the remainder of my five lire, a total of three lire five cents when the train fare was paid, and took up lodgings in one room with some student friends from Benito. We each paid two cents a night for this room, a horrid basement, and we were all poor. My friends had a little more money than I, but only a little, for their parents were poor too, and they were having to exist as best they could while they worked their way through university. On the day I arrived, I began searching for work. I didn't find it difficult to obtain, but I soon found that the shoemakers in Naples could teach me nothing that I didn't already know. Whenever there was a shoemaker that would give me a job, I would stop and work for him, hoping that I could learn. Sometimes I'd stayed only one day, sometimes two, sometimes as long as four or five, but always I moved on with nothing learned. My pay was two or three cents a day, which wasn't enough to feed a hungry boy. It was in Naples that I first learned what hunger meant. In Benito, we'd never lived luxuriously, but we'd never gone without food. In Naples, there were many days when I missed meals. Sometimes, towards the end of this period, when my meagre three lira and five cents had been spent, there were whole days when I didn't eat. In those times, a proper meal in a cheap trattoria would cost eight, twelve cents, an enormous sum of money to my friends and me. So we lived mostly on Jew. You paid two cents at the door and were given a plate and fork. Then you walked past a big steaming bowl and the owner would dig out from the bowl a forkful of spaghetti and load it onto your plate. Sauce and grated cheese were added and that was your due. I would eat it as quickly as I could, thinking that way I would not feel so hungry so soon. But of course, it didn't satisfy my craving for long. One student became a particular friend and whenever he could afford it, he would stand me the price of a meal and sometimes pay my rent. Once, however, his remittance didn't come through from Benito for several days and when we went home, the woman who had owned the house slammed the door in our faces, telling us that we hadn't paid the rent and so we couldn't sleep there anymore. That night we walked up and down the promenade by the sea and when we were too tired to walk, we curled up as comfortably as we could and slept on a park bench. Fortunately, in the morning, the money came, and we were able to pay the rent and go on living there. Perhaps I need not have gone so hungry if I had told my friends exactly how poor I was, but I was too ashamed to borrow from them, knowing how little they had for themselves. Now and again, when I was desperate, I would trudge out to the village of Cervenara near Naples, to see my uncle-priest, Father Alessandro Ferragamo, my mother's brother. Her maiden name was also Ferragamo, though her family wasn't related to my father's. He would give me a little money and some food and then I would go back to Naples and resume my searching for a shoemaker who could teach me what I wanted to know. At last I went to the biggest and most fashionable shop in the Naples of those days. It was now 1909. And I told the owner I wanted to learn how to make models and cut the shoes. He looked at me as if he thought I was mad, an 11-year-old asking to learn such big tasks and he said dubiously, that's a long job. However, he needed a boy to work in the shop So he said he would take me on. I started with them that day and stayed two weeks. My wages were four cents a day paid monthly. In that fortnight I learned everything. In 14 days I'd gone up from nothing in that shop to cutting the shoes and making the models and doing everything that there was to do. Everything that the oldest and best cobbler in the firm was doing. I don't boast about this, I state it as a fact. As the older workmen demonstrated and explained the tasks, and I took the tools and obeyed them as they'd shown me, I found that I could do it. I was too young to speculate about the reason for such a rapidity of learning. It simply seemed to me that when they pointed out the work that must be done, the knowledge came back as if I'd been reminded of a task that I'd forgotten, as if I was undergoing a f- refresher course of things I'd learned in the past. Perhaps that was absurd, but that's how it seemed to me. Of course, I didn't perform every task perfectly every time. Knowledge may be in the mind, but the muscles of hand and eye sometimes fail to perform what the mind dictates, as a sportsman may know in theory exactly how to plant a shot in the centre of the bull, but doesn't always do so. Nevertheless, the knowledge was there, the knowledge of everything to do with shoes except one thing, I hadn't learned how to take correct measurements. In this shop, As in all the others, they used the system that I already knew and in Naples, as in Benito, sometimes it worked, sometimes it did not. At the end of the fortnight, I was proud, happy and ambitious. I'd learned the trade. The shoemakers could teach me nothing more. It was time to take the next step. I must leave Naples and return to Benito and there I would open my own shop. So I went to my employer and I told him I wanted to leave. Please could I have my money? He owed me 56 cents and I was looking forward to having a really good meal that day, my first good meal for a long time. The man looked at me and narrowed his eyes and said, money boy, I owe you no money. I said, surprised, but maestro, I've worked for you for a fortnight, and now I want to go, and I've been earning four cents a day, and that was what we agreed. He said, certainly, that is what was agreed, but do you not remember how you spoiled the shoes?' You don't expect me to lose money because of your mistakes and still pay you out of your wages. Get out of here. You won't have another cent from me. It was true that I had made a mistake. I'd cut one pair of uppers in the wrong place so that they stretched while the part of the shoe was being made and the shoes became crooked on the last. It was my fault, but it hadn't cost him anything like my wages. And anyway, he wasn't entitled to charge his work people for their mistakes. Otherwise, None of us would ever have taken any wages home at all. But I was only a small boy, and he thought he could get the better of me. I argued and pleaded, but it was no good, and he put me out of his shop. I waited around all day for him to come out. I was so hurt by his treatment and so angry that I must go hungry again because of his robbery that I intended, small as I was, to have a fight with him after the shop closed. Even there I was disappointed for he lived on the premises and after the shop was closed for the night he simply went upstairs and he never came out at all. At last I had to go away, miserable and sad, with only my new idea to cheer me up. Next morning, I walked to Cervenara to see my uncle Alessandro. I was, I know, almost his favourite of his many nephews, but as he listened to me, he shook his head. I said, Uncle Alessandro, I'm finished with trying to learn how to make shoes. Nobody can teach me anything. I've learned it all. Now I want to go back to Benito and open my own shop and make shoes for the signore. Nonsense, Salvatore, my boy, he said. You're too young. What, you're not 12 years old and you want to open a shop? How in the world would you do it? Nobody will give you any business. Why, they won't even come to your shop. It's absurd, Salvatore, to think of a small boy running a shop to make fashionable shoes. I told him the signori had not worried about my age when they came to Luigi Festa's shop and when he looked as if he would object some more I said Very well, Uncle Alessandro, if you'll not help me to do this I'm not going home anymore. I'll go back to Naples and I'll see what I can do there. He stood silent for a long moment, looking down at me, rubbing his chin in perplexity. He knew how dearly my mother wanted me to go home and he knew well how stubborn I was in the things I wanted to do. So at last he sighed a little and said, Very well, Salvatore. I think you're foolish, but if you're foolish, you'll soon find it out for yourself, and then perhaps you'll not be so stubborn. I'll give you 20 lire, and furthermore, I will guarantee your credit with the people with whom you still have to buy your lasts, tools, equipment, and a little leather for starting. But that's all I'll do. If you're wrong and you cannot make the shop pay, You cannot expect any more help from me. I think I hugged him with delight. I had no fears of failure. Hadn't I proved myself even before I was 10 years old? Now I was a big boy of nearly 12. At nearly 12, I could work wonders. I'll pay it back, Uncle Alessandro, I said. I'll pay everything back. You'll see.